Many of my curious colleagues who have been following over the past few years know that I've been trying to kind of ratchet up my health and wellness habits to feel better and stronger after successful chemo. And one of those habits I'm working on is drinking more water. And this is where Liquid IV comes in. Liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being. And it's their hydration multiplier that's the one product you're missing in your daily routine. What's nice about it, it's just this one stick and in it you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And get this, it's two times faster hydration than water alone. So you could use it first thing in the morning, maybe before a workout, or when you're feeling run down. One of the things I love most about it is its efficiency. If anyone has seen me, I'm typically surrounded by one to two glasses of water, or a big old jug of water that I sometimes forget to bring to work. And what's nice is Liquid IV is efficient. And the flavor that's working for me right now is their wild berry. But there's a couple new ones that are out as well that you got to try. Two times faster, and like I said, more efficiently than water alone. And it's three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. So this is what you're going to do. You're going to go ahead, treat yourself to 20% off, and use code MYCURIOUSCOLLEAGUE at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MYCURIOUSCOLLEAGUE. And don't forget to use the special link in my show notes. Welcome to the My Curious Colleague podcast with your host, me, Denise Finneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs, like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Hello, my curious colleagues. Today, my guest is Susan Mayer. You may remember Susan from back in the day on episode, I think it was episode 21, season two, where Susan spoke to us about design thinking in and in support of R&D Innovation. And today she is back. So welcome back to the podcast, Susan. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hey, even though you were here before, can you just refresh everybody on kind of who you are, what you've been up to, where your expertise has been? Sure, Please. sure. So just like last time, I started my career as a food scientist. I'm a certified food scientist, worked for several different food companies, uh, notably at the end of that part, uh, Campbell Soup, uh, and then moved into the innovation space. Uh, and the big change from last time is that earlier this year, I retired from RTI Innovation Advisors, where that's where I had been working last time that we that we talked. So I'm now retired. But that, of course, means I'm still teaching and active with some other things. Yep. And we're going to going to get into some of those things. So first of all, congrats again on your retirement. Well-deserved. And I love that you're still kind of keeping your hands in thing because your hands in things, because we, we need energetic visionary folks like yourself to continue to be out there. Thank you. Yeah. 
All right. All my colleagues, and you know that I like to kind of dig into cross-functional partners. Um, and the thinking is to understand them a little bit better and what they're up against and the things they do day to day and where maybe consumer relations and those cross-functions uh, intersect really make for just a much more productive relationship. And so in the spirit of that, again, I think you're like my ninth in that series, Susan, I wanted to talk about some focusing really into product development and the regulatory piece at IFT this summer, the Institute of Food Technology. Just. Technologist. Right. Right. I think everybody always uses the acronym and, and you forget it's Institute of Food Technologists. Yeah. So let's dig into that. What are you going to be talking about and what do you need to begin to do this topic you're going to be talking about? Sure, sure. So uh, the annual conference for IFT uh, is this summer and it goes by the acronym FIRST, which is uh, food improved with science, technology, and research, but in a different order, right? So we get the RST. And this year, the theme is looking at how to how to improve the overall food system. Uh, and what they do is they they went out for you know call for for papers and ideas. And at RTI Innovation Advisors, we've done lots of work with food companies to look at how they can upcycle some of their ingredients. So by that, I mean, they'll have a production process. You're manufacturing one product, but there's always stuff left over on the side, right? You know, the byproducts of whatever you're manufacturing. How can you take those materials and create another ingredient that's of more value? So but uh, there's lots out in the news about how much food waste there is. And a lot of the food waste is, is more post-consumer or restaurants, that type of thing. But the work that we're looking at is, or the, the work that we did was to work with manufacturers to say, how can you figure out if there is some part of your byproduct streams from whatever you make that you could turn into a higher value ingredient, commonly referred to as upcycled, an upcycled ingredient. And there, you, there's a lot out there about upcycled. This, so this talk that I'm doing was picked up by IFT for the summer. And I'll actually be on a panel discussion where we'll be talking about the the pitfalls of um, of voluntary regulations or label declarations. So, how do you sometimes put stuff on your label that gets you, you know, could get you into into trouble? So, you know, upcycled ingredients certainly is one of those. There's there are no FDA regulations around upcycling. You know, the word can you can use the word as you want. You know, so. Um, and anytime we have something like that, it leads to confusion for consumers, which leaves all the call centers, you know, dealing with folks calling up going, what is this? You know, is, and, and so I think when companies are looking to upcycle ingredients, 
it's really important to think through everybody who's going to be impacted. You're talking my language, and I do want to talk implications to consumer relations teams. Let me just hold on to that for a second. And and if you could just go back to recycled ingredients, I, I've heard this, you know, somewhere along the line. I don't mm-hmm. know tons about it, but give me an example, perhaps, of a product that's out there in CPG that I could sure. get my head around. Sure. So mm-hmm. you, you hear the words lots of different ways. Uh, you may hear... You may hear upcycled, which would be where you're taking an ingredient and creating a another, you know, a material that can sell for a reasonable amount. There are some companies that also do valorize their waste streams, right? So they can sell it for the waste streams for something or waste reclamation. So, you know, waste reclamation is sort of the lowest thing. So you've got to, you know, you've got a byproduct from your process and you just throw it out. How do you instead not throw it out? Maybe you've got a pig farmer down the street who comes and picks it up. Maybe you can sell it, you know, that material, or maybe you can turn it into something where you're actually adding value to the rest of the food system. So some examples, there is an organization called Upcycled Foods, and they are becoming more and more, they've been around for about two or three years, and you're seeing more and more of their ingredients. They have a logo um, that, that is, you know, they vet certain companies to be able to, you know, use their their logo on the front of their labels. But there's things like you might have heard of renewal mills where they take sort of grains that are byproducts of other processes, whether it's a brewery, something like that, and they create a flour or another dried ingredient like that. Some companies use They'll take the like the pomace that's left over from uh, fruit manufacturing. So maybe you create a juice and then all the stuff that's left, maybe they dry that and they can sell that as a, an ingredient. There's lots of examples. Corn flour that is like the really fine, like almost like corn flour fines that come off of uh, like the process for grits, something like that. That's That's another example. Okay. I think I have a sense of what that is. And, you know, intuitively, it sounds, it sounds fantastic and very altruistic. And I like, I like the idea of it. But tell me about the challenges. Like for me, as a consumer, I'm thinking there might be a price challenge. And then also as a manufacturer, you know, give me, give me a challenge. Right. So just as last time I was talking about design thinking and, you know, different techniques within design thinking, when we, at, at Innovation Advisors, when we worked with companies to understand how do you upcycle an ingredient, we use some of the same design thinking approaches. So there's a framework in design thinking that looks at desirability, feasibility, and viability. So desirability, do people want this, right? Is this something that's in demand by consumers? Feasibility, can, can you make this stuff? And then viability, can you make money off of it? And is it legal, right? All good things and trying to manage those, all of those together, that's where you, you know, have some, some opportunity. So the first part on desirability uh, was interesting. I was at a conference last November and the market research firm Innova, uh, they were talking about upcycled ingredients. 
And they commented on that they had done a study where 25% of the people who were surveyed thought that upcycled ingredients should be cheaper because they were going to throw the stuff out anyway, right? So it ought to be cheaper, right? The problem is you've got to usually take this ingredient and process it, stabilize it, dry it, whatever, right? It does, and you're not making as much of it as you would, you know, through, you know, through a, a normal production process. So, you know, consumers are expecting that, you know, it maybe it's, this is going to be cheaper when in fact this ingredient may not be. So that kind of leads you from, now you've got one issue with consumers, right? Because they're thinking like, why is this food so expensive? If you're putting stuff in there, you're going to throw out anyway. And then there's also the, the, the aspect for consumers of trying to understand they, you know, most consumers do want to use upcycled ingredients. They do want to know that they're reducing food waste, but they also want to know what it is you're putting in there. Right. So when you look at like if you looked at the upcycled foods uh, website, most of the ingredients that actually are available now are things that are close enough in that it feels comfortable. You could easily explain it. Right. So it's the corn fines, corn, you know, flour fines, that kind of thing. Right. Maybe it's, you know, a byproduct from. There was one that we we looked at the other day that's a byproduct from, you know, soybean milk production. You know, there there are certain things that people are intuitively, they'll be like, oh, okay, that's all right. But, you know, as the industry advances and and looks at, well, where else is there waste? You know, we may get to the point where it's things like, you know, if we're using, for an example, you know, there's a a big push for to make flowers and ingredients out of insects, you know, as a protein source. What if there's, yeah, what if there's byproducts from that process? Is that something consumers are going to be open to? So, uh, you know, there's always going to be understanding of if you want to upcycle an ingredient, are the consumers going to be open to it? And then can you do it at a reasonable cost? And given all that, those insights, that's where I think, let's get back to your link with consumer relations. You know, how can call centers and, you know, brand ambassadors who are maybe on the phone or in social media, how can they help hold consumers' hands when they Mm -hmm. come across a product with a label and they see, you know, they see some, I'll call it a weird source, like, that mm-hmm. they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. That that happens to probably be the upcycled ingredient. So how, you know, definitely that raises the fact that you need to have FAQs that really talk to each one of those ingredients that you feel consumer might delve into. Yeah. Because everything the consumer, you want the consumer to know, you can't fit it on the label. Right. Right. (laughs) You can't fit all those explanations. So understanding what are the challenges that consumers might have and making sure that those are built into the the FAQs would be important. Just knowing that that there was an ANOVA study that said, you know, consumers, some consumers think that this should be cheaper because you were going to throw it out anyway. So be ready to respond to that Uh, and be ready to respond to 
if you were going to throw this out, does that mean it's trash? Is there any, you know, what's the value to this material? So to have a way to explain what a byproduct is from a process, that there's still an understand what the value is. I'll go back to the fruit pomace example. So, you know, with a lot of fruits, what's left over after you create the juice, it's the, you know, some seeds and skins and that kind of thing. And for a lot of berries, there's still a lot of polyphenols in there, which are, you know, very, a great ingredient, a great component that you want to have in your, in your products. So, you know, it might be trying to explain having FAQs that help people understand you know, if you were to make juice at home, you'd get the juice and you, what's left, that's the pomace. And when it's dried, you know, there's still value in there. So helping people understand the value of what's left of that food after it goes through whatever the process is, I think is, would be helpful. Agreed. And there's that, there is that education piece. Like I'm sure there was a time when the notion of recycling your product mm-hmm. was, odd to people, right? And Mm -hmm. now it's just second nature. And so, you know, there is this onus now on some of these companies, I would say, then the website should have in a friendly manner, that education piece, whether it's, you know, blog posts or, or their own FAQs on the website, and they they should be supported also in the, um, in consumer Mm -hmm. relations FAQs. I feel there's sort of like two parts to the market. There are companies that are starting because they have some sort of an upcycled ingredient. Like that is their reason for being. So they're attracting fewer customers, but that is really, that's their what they're leading in with, which is very different from like even renewal mills, right? They're, they're calling it out in their name. And so their customers are going to view this differently than an established CPG company that goes to add in upcycled ingredients. You're, because now you're taking people who are used to buying whatever and you're and you have a whole story to tell of now we're using upcycled ingredients. Part of it it could be, you know, you have to explain to compute consumers why didn't you before or why don't you do it more often? You know, it it becomes trickier. But sometimes there's upcycled ingredients that are being used and they're just not being called out, right? You could take, you could have a company that's using the fines from a, a, a corn, like a grits, corn grits. Yeah. And, and they're using that and it's just listed on the label as corn flour. And it's not called out yeah. as an upcycled yeah. ingredient. Well, so, yeah, you know, go ahead. So I think what'll be interesting is as you have some of those companies that their reason for being is with an upcycled ingredients Mm. ingredient as they get large enough and they get purchased by another consumer CPG company Mm -hmm. that then leaves the call center in really a situation of understanding. I now have these people calling in who started as you know, as users of this other product line, right? This other company, and they're now coming into the fold, and and that may, I think that 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 should be part of the thinking and the preparation for when companies that use upcycled ingredients, if when they're purchased by CPGs. Perfect, Susan. 
I think the other thing that you're bringing to mind is as a worker bee myself, one of my roles is to approve the contact us packaging piece uh, before it goes to printing, I guess you would say. So it's like a PDF packaging flat, mm-hmm. you know, all the all the sides. And I'm just one of a list, you know, a list of 10 functions that review and approve. So I'm really about the contact us, but I often take another look around. I like to have knowledge of a little bit bigger knowledge, right? As I was saying up at the top. So I think being on the lookout for that front of pack logo for upcycled food. No one should be alarmed by that. Um, If you're lucky, probably a product has that. And so get familiar with that logo. That will be up front. And um, I think the other thing that you were saying, this notion of a little bit of knowledge around regulations. And so when it's mandatory versus voluntary. So again, Mm -hmm. you know, if I like to be a risk mitigator and I want to be knowledgeable about some of the regs for upcycle because I want to put a second pair of eyes on whether or not I should see some sort of disclosure. So you set up at the top, I think you said there's this voluntary aspect. It's not, you know, mandated. So just talk to me about that. When is it considered voluntary? all the time or in certain right. situations the word right the, the that upcycled logo is voluntary so really the what has the to disclaimer be on the label, i'm thinking about that like a yeah so the little logo that is the upcycled foods logo that's totally voluntary that would be on front of pack okay. that's the fda has nothing to do with that uh, I, mm-hmm. The upcycled folks, of course, they're going to police it themselves, right? Okay. But the back of pack, as far as the ingredient listing, whatever, an upcycled ingredient on its specification still has to list the, um, you know, what the ingredient listing has to be and what are the specifications, right? The, you know, the major nutrients, whatever it is you need to measure, moisture, color, whatever, depending upon what it is. So all of those would be consistent, whether it's upcycled or not. And it's from that spec that you do your formulation, that you create your ingredient listing. So from an ingredient listing, you don't, can't necessarily call it out. What I what'll be interesting to see is will FDA allow to have it called upcycled ingredients? So like is it is it dried pomace or can you say dried upcycled? So right now FDA is not playing with the word upcycled. That would just be on the front label. But that may be something, I mean, you know, look, we went through this with organic years ago, right? You know, there's, there's always words that come in that as it becomes more utilized, you know, then FDA potentially has to come in and, and, and say something. But right now, if, it, if the specification says upcycled and you list it on the ingredient listing, you know, that may be fine. But, it, but really for the upcycled, they're looking at the front of pack. You know, that's really where you want to get people's attention. Yep. And we'll have to see how within the ingredient statement, how they're going to refer to upcycled ingredients. Mm -hmm. 
Now, um, or maybe they'll have some. a separate section. No. Yeah. No, they well, there, well, there mm. are some that'll have the ingredient and an asterisk. And then below oh, yes. the ingredient listing, it'll say upcycled, which, yes. you know, which, which works well, right? Because then you're not making that ingredient listing any longer, right? The fewer words, the better, just so it can, can all fit. So I think there's different ways to go about it. And then, of course, you know, sometimes the upcycled ingredients go into uh, consumer products that are not foods, right? So you could take like the a dried pomace, you could put it into, you know, a, a, a lotion or a shampoo or, you know, something like that. So there's in, in CPG in the broader sense, all these all these words apply or concepts apply. Yeah. Such an interesting topic. And I see maybe, you know, some of these startup emerging brands that you kind of reference would would play in this area. So, and then perhaps eventually, as you mentioned, get acquired. But back to you, when is this IFT? It's in Chicago. Right. So it's in Chicago in, in the middle of July. Uh, and it starts, it starts on Sunday night, the 16th. And then the talk that I'm doing is on uh, Tuesday, the 18th. Uh, and then I'm, I'm hosting another, co-hosting another session on Monday, the 17th. But this talk that I'm doing is on Tuesday. Um, it's always a big show, uh, you know, 20,000 mm. of my closest friends, right? You know, there's a <laughs> lot going on, oh uh, a few, a few hundred exhibitors. It's, you know, it's a, a lot, a lot of great talks. Yeah. And, you know, for, for folks, you can, the, the thing that's changed that I really like is when you, you know, when you a- attend or, you know, you purchase your, your ticket to attend, it also allows you to, for a year to listen to all of the talks, all the research talks. So instead of feeling like you got to run from room to room and you miss yeah. something, you can go back and listen. Well, like I have a 20 minute talk on how to upcycle, you know, to help people understand, you know, how you might want to go about and do that. And so that, and the people who have, um, you know, purchased a, you know, a, a ticket, they'll have access to that talk for a year. That's a great value over there at IFT. That's fantastic. Thanks for yeah. sharing that with us. Yeah. Thanks for giving us a little primer on uh, upcycled ingredients. I, again, sure. always love chatting with you. Appreciate your time tonight. And you too. You too. It's great to see you. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX, because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Benito. Thank you for your time. Many of my curious colleagues who have been following over the past few years know that I've been trying to kind of ratchet up my health and wellness habits to feel better and stronger after successful chemo. And one of those habits I'm working on is drinking more water. 
And this is where Liquid IV comes in. Liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being. And it's their hydration multiplier. That's the one product you're missing in your daily routine. What's nice about it, it's just this one stick and in it you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And get this, it's two times faster hydration than water alone. So you could use it first thing in the morning, maybe before a workout, or when you're feeling run down. One of the things I love most about it is its efficiency. If anyone has seen me, I'm typically surrounded by one to two glasses of water or a big old jug of water that I sometimes forget to bring to work. And what's nice is Liquid IV is efficient. And the flavor that's working for me right now is their wild berry. But there's a couple new ones that are out as well that you got to try. Two times faster, and like I said, more efficiently than water alone. And it's three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. So this is what you're going to do. You're going to go ahead, treat yourself to 20% off, and use code MyCuriousColleague at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MyCuriousColleague. And don't forget to use the special link in my show notes.